You're listening to um, an exciting new episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. It's uh, going to be close to the new year by the time they hear this, right? Getting close. Still, mm-hmm. still slogging through 2020 just for another few days. Uh, we are not professional critics. We're just your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Will. Hello. And Jolian. Hello. There's something else I usually say here, like thank thank you to the Moonrays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show. And uh, mm-hmm. and we're going to spoil the featured attraction, but try not to spoil recently watched. Uh, have you had a falling out? No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I should probably email them and say, hey, it's been a few years since I said hi, but uh, we're still using your song. <laughs> recently watched. Who wants to kick it off? I mean, and I should also mention we're on Zoom. We're not doing this in person, so if anyone sounds like a robot, other than that background that you heard earlier, uh, it's just Zoom. What are we going to do? <laughs> so, Jolian, you want to kick it off? Will? Or Will? No, Jolian, go ahead. I will. <laughs> okay. Uh, Fine. Uh, we finished, I watched... Um... What did I watch? Oh, I watched some DS9, obviously. Still making my way through those. Yeah. Uh, best scene so far in a Star Trek uh, series. Uh, a uh, uh, guest appearance by uh, Jonathan Frakes. William T. Riker shows up, and uh, and then he steals the spaceship. Uh, it turns out he's a he's a well. I'm not going to get into it. But anyway, he's in disguise. That's the important thing. Jonathan Frakes has a beer. <laughs> a full beer. He sits down and he takes off his disguise, which are two mutton chops. So he has a goatee. Oh. <laughs> That's it. You would never recognize him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I want a gif of it. It's the greatest thing ever. I'm, gonna, um, I'm googling it now. Yeah, <clears throat> it's something else. Uh, I watched a series right before Christmas, a Japanese television sh- series called Alice in Borderland. Uh, this is a 2020 show. Um, I believe they took advantage of some of the quarantine, perhaps for shooting in Tokyo. Uh, it's a uh, uh, three guys, uh, young Japanese guys, probably 20, 22, um, should be in college or just getting out. Um, uh, one of them's all he does all day is play video games. Uh, his friend works, but doesn't really know what he wants to do. And then his, 
his third friend works at a uh, a bar in this kind of little 80s man. Um, they're out goofing off one day uh, near the subway, and um, to get away from, they cause a little bit of a disturbance. They run away from the police when the cops show up into the subway station and go into the men's room and then hide in one of the stalls. And the lights go out, and their phones go dead, and they walk out, and this is Tokyo, midday, so the subway station was packed. There's nobody around. And they walk around all day, and they don't see anybody, and they don't know what's going on. And then the following night, they get a, a billboard lights up that says, please join the gaming area. Uh, I'm just setting this up because this series is brilliant. Uh, they go to this this building, the game building, and they have to they get a, a new cell phone that works. And uh, a couple uh, other players show up, um, a high school girl and then a young woman. And so they have, the phones tell them they have two minutes to get through the game. And they go, into a, they go down an elevator and they go into a room and there's two doors in the room. One has an angel on it and the other has a skeleton on it. And the phone says, live or die, you choose. And they, they don't know what to do. <laughs> and so the high school girl tries to go through the angel door and is shot dead with a laser beam. Um, it goes from there. It is the craziest, most intense show. This is not a show to watch before you try to go to bed because your heart rate will be through the roof. Uh, it is brutal, wild, compelling, just a fantastic show. I blew through all eight episodes in two days. I would have watched it all one night, uh, if I, you know, knew I could have stayed up, but, uh, I highly, <laughs> highly recommend, uh, Alice in Borderland. It's on Netflix. Okay. Don't watch the dub version, of course. You can watch it in Japanese with subtitles. Um, there were some complaints already. You know, the dub version doesn't translate to what the subtitles give you, of course. Uh, but mainly you want those actors' own voices. The, the cast is fantastic. Um, just, wow, what a show. Sold. Uh, yeah. I recommend both of you check okay. it out. Um, that is about all I watch, other than some British baking shows and some uh, Indian matchmaker show with the wife. Uh, they were okay. Um, one lady made a trifle that looked like something Tom Savini would whip up. <laughs> That's, yeah. What was that? Yeah, you 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 were telling me about that earlier today. Like uh, this, this looked like something that Sveeni had. Yeah, made. it was. Oh, it was so so foul. And you, I don't know if you either. Well, Jolien makes trifles, but you want it to hold its shape. Yeah, and we, you scoop it out of there. We're about halfway through it. Right. Oh man, I'm so jealous. Uh, 
you know, she put hers on the plate and it automatically just liquefied to this red, runny, awful, <laughs> mess. Uh, that's not Sick right. Sick on a plate. No, it was very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So not everybody. And then I watched two movies, so I don't know which one we. I I I. It was my week to choose. I choose two terrible movies because I like to punish people. Um, right. They both begin with yeah, demon, and so. they both stop making sense. <laughs> they never yeah. or never start. <laughs> so. All right. So that wraps it up for me. Julian, you want to go next? Uh, we finished uh, watching uh, G Gundam, which is the uh, Gundam series I watched when I lived in Japan. Uh, well, the first one I watched. Um, that's re- it's really fun. And it's like uh, over, uh, like, I think it's 49 episodes. It, it sets up beautifully. So like the final, like 10 episodes, like paying off everything. Uh, it's oh. really good. Uh, really fun. It's probably the silliest one that I've seen. I've only seen like four of the Gundam series. Um, but do you know what that is? Vaguely. Uh, it's a giant, I, giant robots, yeah, right? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah, it's what, <laughs> that narrows it down. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, it's that yeah, one it's from the, Japan. It uh, began in the late... Big, yeah, is that one from Japan about giant robots? Yeah. Uh, so it began in the late seventies. So, so usually this it's a very complicated political and uh, 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 war war story, basically, where children are uh, especially gifted at piloting these humanoid robots, and uh, you have uh, colonies in space at each of the five sidereal you know, orbits. <laughs> Um, and uh, you know, there's there's various factions, and it, it's usually very serious and complicated. But this one is uh, really silly. Uh, it's uh, instead of open warfare, they decide to send in a representative from each nation, uh, and then they uh, they have a tournament, and then whoever wins the tournament gets to be the uh, leader of the colonies. Hmm. Um, but uh, uh, the the thing that makes it really uh, silly some, sometimes is uh, each nation's robot has national characteristics of that nation. So, so you have things like the uh, the one from the Netherlands colony is a, basically a giant windmill, um, <laughs> things like that. And uh, the one from the one from Mexico is called Tequila Gundam, and he's got a sombrero and he's got like cactus shoulder pads and stuff <clears throat> so, oh, wow. but uh, a lot of the designs re- really really beautiful uh like i, I love the, the british ones john ball gundam um but uh there's a lot of really good stuff in it and a lot of a lot of uh, people who worked in it went on to great shows afterwards um and then the the movies i watched over the last uh you know, festive few days uh watched a holiday which is uh, a George Cukor film from 1938 with uh, Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn and uh, Henry Darnell. Uh, it's like this, uh, one of those very glossy, uh, sophisticated, sophisticated comedies. And it's obviously based on a stage play, but it's, uh, it's really, really good. Uh, 
and then we watched uh, Holiday Affair, which is from 1949. And uh, that's the first movie Robert Mitchum made after he came out of uh, prison for uh, marijuana possession. Um, And they were trying to rehabilitate him as a nice guy. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) he just can't play a nice guy. (laughs) You're expecting (laughs) him to do something horrible. Um, But he's he's like, he's this, he works uh, selling uh, toy trains in a department store in New York. (laughs) And uh, Janet Lee comes in and she's, She's a secret shopper. She's actually buying things for another department store in order to uh, compare them. And uh, he susses her out, but uh, he falls for her anyway because she's Janet Lee. That one's much more on the nose and sentimental. uh, But uh, I think if if it wasn't Janet Lee and Robert Midgem and Wendell Corey as the the love triangle, it would would be unbearably sentimental. It's, (laughs) It's like the most... Treaky of the O. Henry stories or something. It's, uh, but uh, you know, with, with those three in it, it's just such strange casting. Um, so we, I got uh, Emily uh, various Blu-rays for Christmas, including uh, a season of uh, John Pertwee Doctor Who. So mm. we've just started watching that. Cool. Is that it? Yep. Ah, well. Um for me, I was uh, sort of in the mood to, um, well, I was going to be working on a painting sort of secretly as a gift and, uh, just sort of wanted to get in that, that spirit of, uh, painters who just paint and that's what they do. And they, you know, it's not all about the other stuff in their life. And, uh, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to scroll through and see what I find. So I found this one, um, Julian Schnabel, a private portrait. And this is from 2017. And, uh, I'm familiar with his work, but I don't know too much about him as a person. And usually with these documentaries about painters, you get to see them working. And I always enjoy that. Of course, he works on a much bigger scale than I have the room to do, but, uh, it was still cool to watch it. And, just out of curiosity, I decided to look up because I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was colorful and and it was very uh, insightful and you got to see a lot of his personal life, but you also got to see him working and you got to see his work and him hanging gallery shows and going to different places where he spends time or lives. And so I thought, you know what, let's see what the critics said about this. And man, they were just awful. Well, not all of them. Uh, They were... (laughs) One of them called it a work of pure hype that feels like an overeager puppy licking the face of its owner. It's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) He's a very, very passionate person. He's a very loving uh, family guy, very unconventional and uh, well-traveled. He's well-cultured, interesting dude. And he's not stuck up. He's very normal down to earth. (laughs) And these people are like, just saying the mean things. But then I did find a, a... a handful of good reviews that also said that it was, that it was, you know, looked like the things I said, it was very colorful and insightful. Uh, I enjoyed it. I would recommend it. If you like documentaries about painters, that one is a good one. It actually shows him working. Yes. You do see a lot of him working and he's not stuck up about being a painter or how he paints. Although the man is clearly quite wealthy. Uh, He's, (laughs) he doesn't put on a lot of airs about it. So it was, it was enjoyable and him as a director also, cause he did direct several movies. 
so we got to see yeah. some stuff about that. Uh, in preparation for Wonder Woman 1984, we watched Wonder Woman from 2017, which I remembered enjoying and uh, enjoyed it again and watched Wonder Woman 1984 when it came out on, no, not when it came out on Christmas Day, but when uh, the next day, which was yesterday. Uh, the 26th boxing day. Yeah, yes. Boxing, boxing day. day. Yeah. I didn't have anyone to box. It's not safe to do. <laughs> so <laughs> we watched wonder woman, 1984. I enjoyed it, but I had the same criticism. I have a lot about a lot of superhero movies, which is cut about 40 minutes out of it. There's a bunch of nonsense in there. We don't need, you know, if there's a, if there's a battle, if there's a car chase, if there's a, a whole thing happening in the streets, it goes on for 15 minutes where it could have done it in five. So you get a few of those put together and pretty soon 40 minutes could have been cut out, but it was still really good. Uh, the effects were great. It didn't feel quite, I, I wanted a little bit more of the cringe factor of what the eighties were like, but they tried to deliver it, but I feel like they could have leaned into it a little more with the fashions and the attitudes. Uh, we watched, uh, well, I watched The Ripper, the Netflix series about the Yorkshire Ripper. Um, this came out in this year, and it's about the guy who started just in time for Christmas. Yeah, you know, you want to watch, uh, <laughs> you want to watch some murders. I think he died a couple of months ago, didn't he? Oh, did he? Maybe yeah, they, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe this is a little bit of dancing on his grave or something. But, uh, yeah, Peter Sutcliffe, I think. Yeah, he killed him. Yeah. He killed a lot of women. He was brutal, and oh yeah, uh, the the style of they the, they, uh, they arrested him several times as well. Oh really? Before they yeah. knew it was him, he, he was. He, well, I don't know if they were actual arrests, but they brought him in for questioning several times. Yeah, they they did some good science on narrowing it down, and I don't want to ruin any of that. But yeah, you you get uh, a really cool document. Catch him in the end. I mean, we know that. <laughs> we know that. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't want to ruin like some of the how they caught him. But they really did uh, good work on this documentary with archival footage and news footage. You know, because when you talk about how blighted uh, an area was after the industry left and you'd see like mm -hmm. the scenes of industry, then you'd see the scenes of blight and, and poverty. Nothing really does it quite like seeing the footage of the day. You know, all these bummed out oh, yeah. people and all these messed up buildings and abandoned places and garbage everywhere. It's like, you really want to know that, uh, things weren't okay in the mid seventies with the economy. Very dark. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, that one's, uh, I think six or eight episodes. I think it's eight, but, uh, you get through it and, um, and you know more than you want to know about an awful, horrible monster of a killer. And then uh, in in celebration of uh, Barbara Crampton's birthday, which is also my birthday, I watched Chopping Mall from 1986, which there is no chopping in the mall. There are lasers. There are tasers. Really? Yeah. That's true. That's no, true. No chopping. These, these uh, uh, mall-protecting robots... They don't have any cleavers sticking out of them, so there's no chopping. But there's an exploding head, isn't there? There is. And I think yeah. that, isn't that the woman from Sex in the City? Is she the one that goes out like that? Kim Cattrall. 
Yeah, is she in this thing? No, she's not in this thing. She's in something else we watched. But uh, yeah, someone's head exploded. <laughs> and <laughs> and they when they did the credits at the end and they showed everyone in a scene and put their name under it, the actor's name under it, they used that scene. They for, show it again. Yeah, they show her. <laughs> they show her scream and then her head explode. Uh, yeah. So that was That's a literal headshot. So so that brings us to today where we watched The Good Neighbor from 2016. This is the one where James Caan is the grouchy old neighbor and these two smart-ass kids decide to break into his house and install a bunch of surveillance cameras and uh, devices that will make him think his house is haunted. And uh, it's supposed to be suspenseful. Most of the suspense <laughs> doesn't... It, it makes you cringe a little, but it doesn't really make you feel the suspense in most of it. And when they finally do, it's just like, well, clearly, because they're being so stupid, you know, there is suspense when you do the thing you shouldn't do. And yeah, it's that. But they, I have some, I have some complaints about it, but I'm not going to air them here. I'm just going to say, uh, read a couple reviews, make it, make your own decision. Um, it, it gets a thumb sideways from me. I, I'm, I, I'm not hating it, but it did, I, it didn't feel like rear window to me. They clearly borrowed ideas from rear window and other, and other movies, but it, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't great. So that was it for me. And then of course, demon wind, wind of the demon, uh, do one of you want to do the synopsis? Uh, just kind of give us a, a, a sure. an overview at least. <laughs> Good luck. Demon Wen, 1990. Uh, Corey and his girlfriend are heading out to his grandparents' farm to find out why they were murdered. In 1931, uh, the timeline's kind of screwy in this. It's not the only problems. <laughs> Um, what? they go to a diner on the side of a dirt road that's been clearly built by a group of stagehands working through the, out the night. Uh, there's some gas pumps out front. Uh, it is not believable in the least. <laughs> um, they had inside a bunch of cast members, way too many for a movie, show up. Uh, these are Corey's friends. They're going to journey out to the farm with him to figure it all out. Uh, the group heads out. There, uh, There's a skeleton on a cross right outside the farm. Um, the farmhouse has some sort of portal to a different dimension. Weird stuff happens. Little girls appear and disappear. Baby dolls are seen. Um, you get a what I believe, I don't know if either of you have ever watched the show Supernatural. No. I was never a big fan of it, but I watched a couple seasons. Uh, it, it was good enough for a CW, you know, Supernatural show. Uh, Eugenia will watch pretty much anything that's got Supernatural elements on TV show. And uh, good-looking kids. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Supernatural is about two brothers... Uh, I swear the creators of that show must have watched Demon Wind because there are 
two guys in here who are magicians. <laughs> yeah. Um, I right. thought they were a couple. I was like, holy shit, this is the most aggressive thing I've seen from 1990. Other than one of them is called something. Um, uh, somebody uses a slur. But uh, they're, like, really progressive. They're not mincing. They're nothing. They're just a regular couple, I thought. Turns out, no, they, they have girlfriends, so they have the not gays. But um, oh. anyway, I'm sure the, the brothers on Supernatural were based on these two guys because there is a scene where they're walking around with guns, as they often do on Supernatural, shooting zombies. They often kill monsters. That's the whole point of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it, and it made, I'll discuss shooting later but uh moving on um yeah uh the group is now they run out to their car they're kind of freaked out um they run out to their cars their cars won't start of course um they head back in uh weird stuff happens weird stuff happens somebody really liked making goblin mask and Smearing them with Vaseline. Yep. So you get a lot of that. Uh, you get some really good acting. <laughs> oh, yeah, you do. Um, uh, this is a... Uh, it goes on till everybody's gone. And then it's just Corey and his girlfriend at the end facing down a demon. Corey turns into an alien? Because why not? <laughs> yeah. A conehead from Alien Nation without the spots. It makes no sense. I thought the same thing. Um, another man gets killed and turns into a dove? Yeah. Well, he progresses <laughs> age-wise. Yeah. Turns into a baby doll and then into a dove. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then there's a big loopy demon. Fight, right. fight, fight. Nonsense. It goes on way, way too long. Um... And then it's over. Yay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's nothing you haven't seen before. That sounds... Except for some, some little bits that are like, what the... What? What is this? Like, you can tell the person's idea is unique, but they have no way to, to capture it on film because they haven't seen it before. At the same time, even though all the bits of the movie are the same, it's shot in the most incompetent way. It is a master class how not to shoot a movie. Every scene is a close-up of somebody's face. And you have these four actors who can barely, uh, you know, convey an emotion if you're shooting them at a mid-shot. But if you have them acting with their face, they can't do it. Right. They just cannot do it. Nobody is convincing at all. The set design is pitiful, you know, like film school, dropout set design. Um, I think the filming is the thing that kills most of it. Uh, (laughs) Not that any other part of it is live, but... The filming is what really got me because it was every shot is wrong. Like, I couldn't believe, like, 
why would you put the camera there for that shot? Like, famous uh, scene in a horror movie. Uh, A person's in a room and a drawer opens on its own. And then stuff shoots out of it. We remember Ghostbusters, the the card catalog. Yeah. Well, you see the the drawer slide out. Yeah. So the drawer slides out. And you... You should stay on that side shot so you can see the mm-hmm. cards fly out. But no, they cut to a shot of the camera pointing down into the drawer. And so then when things fly out, you have no idea what's going on. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't read at all. And it was constant. The other movie we watched, Demonoid, which was my first choice, um, I yes. I thought that movie was uh, after a intense opening that I thought, oh my god, this is going to be a schlocky masterpiece. It was a little pedestrian and a little TV movie. I wish Demon Wind mm-hmm. could have even gotten near TV movie quality. It was so bad. <laughs> Did you read that they shot it on short ends, like the leftovers of film? I don't doubt it. I also read that they shot an entire first day and then realized the film was bad. Oh, God. (laughs) It was like exposed or something. So they lost a whole day. They were supposed to have, I guess, a different location. I'm going to guess maybe a gas station or an actual farm. By the time they got all their shit together to start filming, um, they had lost the permits. So clearly in this movie, they filmed out on someone's land. Um, It's supposed to be a highway, but they're just driving down a dirt road. Nobody has a gas station just out in the middle of a field. No. Um, The farmhouse is the same sort of thing. The barn is some boards stuck up. The, uh, oh man. Yeah, the set design is just something else. Yeah, there was not enough lumber lying around to make up for what was missing on the building. Yeah. <clears throat> it looked like they just yeah. propped up and they some... Blew, they blew up the barn, and they were real proud of that shot because they did it at the beginning of the movie and then again at the end. Yeah. Well, I guess if you're going to make an explosion, you better really get your coverage and then get yeah. your then get your use of that coverage. I, I also liked how they felt like they didn't have enough victims. So two friends show up in the middle of the movie and just jump right into the adventure. Like they've been there from the beginning, not ever saying what's going on guys. Nobody ever stops to say, Hey, what's going on? What is this? They're just, they tell them, don't shut off the car. Don't shut off the car. Of course they do. And they're like, why? And then they're like, we better get the house. And they just, Okay, they run in the house with them, and then they're, you know, they're just dealing with it with, as everybody else is, you know. Um, okay, that was Mullet Guy and Beret Girl. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Well, Mullet Guy, more earring guy, because they yeah. made him wear a big earring, so later, when his head gets ripped off, and they hold the head up, which looks nothing like the actor you can tell it's him because it still has the same dumb earring right and it's a big dangly thing it's like a chandelier hanging off the side of his head 
It's like the driving gloves in Night of Living Dead. You know, that's how you know that's John. Yeah. That's that's Johnny minus the glasses. Yeah. Yeah. You you watch the zombies. The zombies, of course, in this movie, break in through the windows and come crawling in. You could have just watched Night of the Living Dead and still shot for shot, but no, they just set the camera up like dead center, maybe twenty five yards away from the from the building and just let people walk past it and go through the windows, I guess. (laughs) Everything's like that. Everything, everything that you want to see, they don't show you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't need to, they show you close-ups of. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like they have, (laughs) like no matter what they were doing, it's like they're, they're looking out, they're looking out a crack in the, in the, in the, building at something outside and we see the something outside and we see them looking and it just keeps cutting back and forth. Like we never get the two things in one shot ever. Yeah. Like that's the whole, oh, you never got anything. two things in one shot. Like the end of the movie, the everything explodes scene happens. And then the rubble, there's a shot of the rubble and then a piece of it shakes, and then the hero crawls out. We've seen this scene a zillion times. Um, they shoot it in such a way, it's so close up to the rubble, and then they pop up so quickly that it doesn't really register as, well, I mean, that and it's a big piece of drywall they just set on top of them, but it doesn't really <laughs> register, and then they're so close up, this scene of them, you know, you're supposed to have this triumphant moment. It should be set back just a little bit so we can see the destruction and both of them in the same frame. No, let's just shoot two more close-ups that could have been filmed at any time. Yeah, because they were filmed at any time. Anywhere, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You you do wonder if they if they were if they just had like a whole punch list of uh we don't feel like we got this covered. Let's re let's you know, there I think the reshoots must have been like extensive and stupid. Uh, they did no reshoots. Well, I mean, just this was all shot in two days and they fucking went with it. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't see boom mics. I usually look for boom mics or lights. Yeah. Um, people, cameramen reflected in things. That's a fun thing I look for in bad movies. Coolio uh, standing in a doorway, you know, chewing gum. Yeah, you see him in Demonoid. <laughs> Yes, Demonoid did. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, did, what I don't remember. Did we see Boom Mike and Demonoid? What did we see? I never watched it. No, I feel uh, like no, I was two sections of crew members and crew members standing off to the side and things. Yeah, yeah. So uh, also the cast, several the, members of the. There's four things I remember from. Okay, go ahead. But I. Uh, I watched Demonoid instead, but uh, I've, I watched Demon Wind uh, a, a little while ago. I remember I wanted to see the movie about the kung fu magicians <laughs> yeah. fighting zombies or whatever. Yeah, yes. Better than I wanted to see what actually happened. Uh, uh, I like uh, Alien and then kicks Satan in the balls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh my god. I it, the bit that made me laugh the most was when one of the supposed friends 
uh, vanishes. I think the the little Victorian girls, and everyone sees it happen, and then they just act as if nothing just happens. That they, yeah. you know, a couple of them yeah. start squabbling about sleeping arrangements or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there's uh, no emotional impact of watching their friend get taken out by a Victorian ghost into an electric blue dissolve. It was just, right. it's like, well, that happened. So what, what do you guys want to eat? <laughs> so, yeah, she found, at some yeah. point, the girlfriend showed up with a sandwich exactly. for, for Corey. Where did she find the food that had been in that farm since it burned down in 1931? <laughs> yeah. Nearly um, 60 years ago. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so, the uh, the if it, if it was a twist. Go ahead. No, no, no. Um, if it was a twist, still be fine. Yeah. <laughs> now, when I was, I I decided about fifteen or twenty minutes into this thing to start taking some notes because sometimes I don't take notes and I feel like I'm going to start forgetting bad stuff and silly stuff that happened in this movie. So the, the, um, the arrival of the magician martial artist guy cruising slowly down a dirt road, standing in a, he's standing in a convertible and he's just like, uh, he's making flowers appear out of his sleeve. He's just releasing doves and poofs of (laughs) magic explosions from his fingertips and then I called this other guy Moose, uh, the, the big guy. Uh, he just reminded me of Moose from the Archie comics. Uh, he throws a beer can at this guy because this guy is the ex-boyfriend of his girlfriend. And he kicks, he hacky sacks this, this beer can about five times <laughs> into the air, kicks it again into the air, kicks it finally into Moose's forehead. And... Uh, they they never really have a fight, but uh, don't you think that Mr. Black Belt slash magician is going to beat Moose anyway? But is this is this the um, the notion? Is this the height of what would be cool in making an appearance in uh, the late '80s when they filmed this, or early '90s when they filmed this? Because it was released in '90. I don't know when it was filmed. But was this? No, the- ma- magic was never cool. <laughs> no, even Houdini was like, no, 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 I'm an escape artist. Escape artist, not magician. Damn it, get it right. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you notice that one uh, young lady resembled Laura Dern? Because I, I started taking notes that she was fake Laura Dern. And, uh, oh, the uh, Corey's girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah, the blonde woman. She kind of, rem- she, she was like a bunko Laura Dern. Uh and then there was an, and then the most symbolic thing in the whole movie, the exploding Turkey. This movie is yes. one big exploding Turkey and they literally had one in the movie. Yes. It was great. Um, oh yeah. When they, they showed all the drawers flapping open and, and all the crazy stuff happening inside the, the reconstituted house. Cause when they go inside, it's whole again. Uh, the, the, yes. there was a turkey dinner, which exploded. Maybe that was in a flashback. I don't know, but exploding turkey. No, it was both a flashback and still on the table. It was in the flashback in 1931, 
but it was still there in 1989, 1990, whenever they made this. I think they filmed this early 1990. Time Turkey. Um, time Turkey. <laughs> yeah, the, the creepy kids appearing. Uh, the, the, the cast was unnecessarily huge. I don't know if this was the like... The cast was so big. You could cut so many people. You don't need them. All The only reason you have them is they're your friends. Uh, you want victims for the movie. Those are the only two things I could come up with. Um, several of them are terribly miscast. Like I thought uh, Bargain Basement Laura Dern and Moose's Girlfriend should have switched roles. Yeah. Until I saw Moose's Girlfriend act. <laughs> and, and the reason I, I thought they should switch roles is because uh, Laura Dern, uh, faux Laura Dern, uh, was a little more glamorous, and I thought she could play up sexy and be with Moose because he he's the jock, whatnot. I thought that would fit casting-wise. And then you have the Moose's girlfriend in the movie. Uh, you have, She was uh, kind of short and mousy. Um, I thought she she would be a better all-American good girlfriend for for Corey, you know, that has his, his back. Um, until she acted, and she was the worst actress I have ever seen. <laughs> and you realize that's why. That's why they didn't do that. <clears throat> they made one correct choice, one, and it was probably an accident. <laughs> probably, yeah. So, um, any, any real, uh, favorite special effects or, or bad quotes in this? Because I have a couple of these things I really liked. I have a quote for the end of the show. I have a tagline this week. I, I really, you know, uh, yeah, there was a, um, there was a line where they said, uh, where, where the, uh, where the not gay couple who functions as a gay couple, uh, the two guys, one of them is, uh, Saying to the other one, my son, if they do, we'll just have to kick some supernatural ass. And uh, that was about some demons showing up or whatever. Uh, the other one was uh, the same couple, the same pair, I should say. Uh, one of them. Yeah, they were a couple. They were totally a couple. They were, they were on the down low, but they're a couple. Uh, one, of, one of them yeah. was saying to the other one, like, what are we going to do when we finally get out of here? And he goes, Tahitian vacation? And the other one says, not Tahiti, they do voodoo in Tahiti. <laughs> and then he says some line like, we'll go to Vegas. Okay. It's not spiritual. There's nothing, yeah, there's nothing spiritual or nothing supernatural happening in Vegas. That's right. Um, yeah, Demonoid has a part that takes place in Vegas. Yeah. That, see? They, I think they proved otherwise, didn't they? Uh, the topless demon. What the hell was that all about? Where did she come from? Who was that? She looked like someone's mom. Uh, somebody decided they needed tits in the movie. Yeah, I guess that's true. Because none of those young actors... It was somebody's mom. Yeah, the, the, the two dum-dums end up fighting the undead, and they both end up dead, and then undead. Yeah. So, you've got the living... The dead and the undead, right? 
Do we have all three in this? Because it seems like we have ghosts. Um, so we, ha we have ghosts. Oh, did we lose Jolien? Okay, I can hear him. So you have, yeah, you have ghosts, you have the living, and then you have these demon zombies. So you, yeah. got, you got all three covered. Yeah. I don't know why, but that's a thing. I'm going to start my video. Yeah. Okay. All right. Do you think they used only one set of fake dentures for all the demons? <laughs> it seemed like, yeah. They... Because they look just the same for every one of them. Yeah. They... Hello. Mm. Hi. I bet they were all, like, fighting for... I get to use the mouthpiece first. Right. Yeah, they blew their denture budget <laughs> right away. Yeah, the dead the dead friends all converge at one point in the house and they kind of battle. But in a lot of these battle scenes, people are just standing there like a character from uh, Street Fighter, just kind of bobbing back and forth, waiting to jump in and get dispatched. It's it's not good. Like, like there was no uh, fight coordination. There was no um, choreography. Uh, there's a... Uh, a magic pair of daggers they finally find that uh, they work sometimes and they don't work other times. But the effects, the special effects are almost competent in several places. But uh, anything that does work is overshadowed by five other things that don't work. A very, very talented high schooler with a love of special effects yeah. worked his heart out on this thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He'd read all the all the books. Yep. He, you know, he made masks. That's why they use the alien mask, I'm sure, is because he made it. Let's use it. <laughs> right. And he had a uh, bucket full of lubricant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. He's a teenager, of course he does. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, the with the vomiting and the and the soupy green guts. Mm, it's a it's a good one. Yeah, there's um <laughs> yeah, Luna just jumped up here. I got the chihuahua. Um there's a there's a great scene where Moose is groping what he thinks is his girlfriend and then she rolls over and it's the other guy and half his face is gone. That was a pretty good scene. That was funny. Although it was shot all wrong, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing that really startled you about it, but it was not like the first time you saw Nightmare on Elm Street and the girl's talking in that Con Air phone and all of a sudden the phone is Freddy Krueger's mouth and it licks her. Yeah. That startles you the first time you see that one. This didn't startle anyone. Um, yeah, Jack becomes a groping demon. Uh, he just starts reaching up and squeezing this girl's chest for, you know, and she's not trying to stop him and then gets stabbed with the sacred dagger. And then... Uh, this is the part where he, he, he goes from <laughs> all the way back to infant. <laughs> he goes through every age, <laughs> like concurrent age. And then he turns into a dove. Dove, you know, like the, the, the human form just before infant. Dove. Yeah. And then she says later, she tells Corey, oh, I saw Jack's soul. Oh, that was his soul. So that's, that's what that represented. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I actually made a note here. Um, 
what's his face turns into alien nation. So uh, yeah, I saw what you saw. <laughs> and then, uh, the friends all get restored and then not. And I have a note here that says another one shows up. I don't know what that means, but, uh, another one of the friends shows up as a demon maybe. But, uh, when this all wraps up, uh, they have it all sorted out or do they? So we get, we get a last grab moment. So they left it wide open for demon wind too. the mm, more flatulence. Yeah. 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 The, the, this is, Oh, um, the voices of the demons, they use some kind of stereo chorus effect. Yeah. That was just done not well and too often. So, <sighs> that is the tagline of this movie. <laughs> Not done well and too often. <laughs> Not really too often. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so I've, I've, uh, I've decided that Plan 9 from Outer Space is Citizen Kane. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's, I, ooh, yeah. For sure. This is, this is not. <sighs> well, uh, I will, I'll talk a little bit about Demonoid. That was the first movie I picked. Okay. And I, I started watching it thinking, oh my God, this is going to be just sleazy trash. Um, it opens with three hooded figures fighting in a cave. Um, they get, one of them gets her hood knocked off. It's a woman. She appears uh, really, really strong. She picks a guy up with one hand and crushes his throat. And then they somehow get her chained to the wall and they rip her shirt open. So you have nudity right away. You're like, all right. Uh, And then they cut her hand off, which turns from a real hand into what clearly was a badly made rubber cast of a man's hand. You can see the scene. Um, and so I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to pick this one. This is it. This is great. Um, unfortunately, it kind of goes downhill from there. It's not terrible, but at the same time, it's it's such a B-movie. It's one of those B-movies where it's such a silly idea. The devil's hand is going around possessing people. Oh, sure. Um, I mean... It, it jumps like a tarantula. It can fling itself across the room. It can crush your head. Um, Man. Uh, yeah. So uh, I watched it and I was like, oh, that was, that was good. Okay. And then I saw a bit of Demon Wind and I was like, oh, this is what I should have picked. Yeah, this was only this was only like one notch above Rock and Roll Nightmare. Demon Wind? Yeah. If that. Yeah. It didn't have a puppet, a big puppet at the end. Oh, the yeah, the the, the devil puppet. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one thing it was missing, a <laughs> big puppet. Uh, so And Thor well, yeah, Thor Micklethor. Yeah, John Michael Thor. <laughs> uh, so, guys, um, what do you do with this what one? What did you think? What did oh, I, man. What, what did I think? Well, uh, you, put, you, put it on, uh, you put it on Blu-ray. 
you you clean it all up and you put it on Blu-ray. Yeah, somebody like Vinegar Syndrome needs to to just get this one all sorted out and you know make this. They did. That's who put it out. Oh, they did. That's who put it out. Yeah, both these the, movies. Oh, really? Yeah, both these movies were. I've been going through uh, Prime, watching all the Vinegar Vinegar Syndrome uh, movies I can find that are are free, which is quite a lot. Unfortunately, you see a lot that get your hopes up. You're like, oh my god, this sounds great. Oh, they don't have it. But, um, yeah, well, okay. What what did you think of this thing? Me? You said Uh, you you thought it was worse than Plan 9? Well, yeah. uh, it, It was just so utterly incompetent that uh and and just hilariously bad that i gotta say if i knew more about it going into it i would have probably been ready for how bad it was but i kept thinking all right it's sincere but is it going to be good in places but no like no no, it's not good anywhere and nothing no no part of it you know, you watch something like Plan 9 and you can go, maybe, maybe. Well, the fog looks nice in the cemetery. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess. Like, uh, it's, it's lit fairly well in, in a lot of places. It's lit well. It's, it's, the camera works all right, you know? Yeah. Uh, this is just, oh my God, the incompetence. Yeah, that's... That's its biggest sin, but it's also its its biggest hilarity is is how incompetent it is, and uh, it's also really aided by the cheapness. Like the cheapness, we watch a lot of cheap movies, or I at least I do. I really like really low budget movies. If you can pull it off, it's great. Um, this, oof, I don't know if they spent over two grand on this whole film. Yeah, probably not. Um, like you take a movie like the battery and this is like when we were talking before about how we were going to, we're going to maybe do a, uh, best of the decade list. I know the battery, yeah, I've got, the battery's I've on it for me. One. Oh, you do good. Um, the battery is on it for me because it is, it is so good with so little money and if you had a real budget on this thing, I don't know that there's much more they would have done except for a horde of zombies, just more zombies. I think is the only thing they would have done that they didn't get to do. And if, if it isn't good enough, don't put it on screen, have it happen off screen, refer to it or don't show it. You know, that's all you got to do. It's not, yeah. it's not difficult. Go find a ga- a real gas station that you can film at for the afternoon. Yeah. How hard is it? It's not that hard. Go find an actual farmhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Even Uh, something, an abandoned barn, anything. Yeah. uh, We used to go out in high school and find abandoned houses to, you know, you'd go in and wander around and you'd break some shit because everybody had. Yeah. Um, Because it was dark and scary and, you know... Uh, ooh, what's out here? Uh, but yeah, they're around. They're not terribly hard to find. At least they weren't. Man, I don't imagine hard to find for a movie. 
No, no. You you should you should be able to scout a location in the year leading up to writing a thing. Of course, this wasn't even. I don't know that this was even written. No. As much Maybe. as made up uh, the day of and improvised. I don't know something, but it it, re- it really didn't come across to me like this thing was uh, scripted anyway. I mean, it might they might have had an outline, but not, not a real script. I don't know. The dialogue was so bad. Lost you there. For I a think second. you could have gotten better work if you had your actress improv. Although maybe not this crew. This crew was really bad. Really bad actors. I'm going to warn you guys, dog WrestleMania is about to start under the, under the table where I'm recording. <laughs> okay. Because if I, if I shut the door, then they're going to bark outside the door. And if I leave it open, they come in here and wrestle. Okay. They left. Um, yeah. Uh, and of course you, you asked what I think of it, but more importantly, do I recommend this? And do you guys yeah. recommend this? And, and I got to say, it's right up there with recommending something like rock and roll nightmare, uh, anything that's hilariously bad and not just where you feel ripped off and like you wasted your time. You almost feel when you watch something like this kind of grateful that it was so bad because if it, if it was only half this bad and, and the rest of it, it wouldn't um, be. This, this thing really hits a sweet spot of a bad movie and being uh, just incompetent in just about all areas. Yeah. Uh, combined with a script that has what the fuck moments in it to to keep you going. Because it's nothing, these movies are usually never anything you hadn't seen, at least the majority of the storyline. Um, where the things like, oh, he turned into a baby and then turned into a dove and then disappeared. You're like, what? So you have to keep <laughs> watching. Um, that's, yeah, that's why Demon went. I was blindsided by it. It just starts and there's like people screaming and there's demons. The end of the movie, and you're like, I don't know who any of these people are, and they keep showing me their faces way too close, and then somehow it gets worse, <laughs> and you just keep watching because you're like, what the hell? And uh, I stopped to call you guys to tell you, oh, watch this, watch this horrible thing. Jolien wisely said, oh, I, I've seen that. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I was halfway through Demonoid when he called. Oh, no. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I, it was my fear. And and I kind of broke the spell of Demon Wind for a minute. I had a hard time getting back into it for about 10 minutes. It was <laughs> the worst thing ever. It's like, why am I doing this to myself? And then somebody said something that was unbelievably stupid or uh, something happened. I don't remember the details, but it was just... I think it was the old man's speech in the in the diner was just like, oh, my God, what is this? This is beyond bad. Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't like Oculus. I'm going to keep hammering that point. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you didn't like Oculus at all. I would watch this one again. Yeah, I would say, um, although I liked Oculus. It was bad. I 
this one. I liked Oculus the first time way more than I liked it the second time. And this one, I think I would probably find more hilarious badness in it on a second viewing. It's almost worth another look. It does look. get a little long at the end. It's, uh, you know, it goes on a little much. Yep, they, they missed the 90-minute mark. It's, it's like, I think, 96 yeah. minutes or something. Yeah. Although, on YouTube, maybe it's... it's uh, uh, messed up time or something there's something else added on there maybe behind the scenes but there's a youtube version that's like almost two hours long it was like oh my god are there deleted scenes uh i was gonna ask julian what he thought of demonoid demonoid uh this is my second viewing of it oh you had Uh, seen this one oh yes but i had to see it again for the podcast um so this is a this was filmed back in 1979 as Macabre uh, by uh, Alfredo Zacharias. It's a Mexican-U.S. co-production. Uh, and uh, in the cast, you've got Samantha Egar from The Brood. Uh-huh. Um, and The Collector and Dr. Doolittle and The 7% Solution. Uh, and you've got Stuart Whitman, who died this year. Oh. Uh, and you've got uh, Rod Jensen, uh, who is in the car. So you think, oh, this might be good. Uh, the photography is not bad. It looks kind of like a TV movie, especially the opening scenes in uh, Guadalajara. Um, but uh, once they get into the States, uh, time and cause and effects start to break down. Uh, I'm not talking about a complicated plot. I'm talking about just the movie. It just makes less sense. And you're, you're wondering what's going on. Yeah. Um, doesn't make any more sense the second time around. Uh, so, so you've got these these miners in the silver mine uh, in Guadalajara, and uh, so they, they retrieve the mummy hand, uh, and uh, they get back to their apartment, and uh, she goes to bed, and he stays up and gets really drunk, passes out. When he wakes up, he uh, he he destroys the hand it turns to dust uh, but then it, it he crawls into bed still in his sweaty mining outfit and uh then then the hand starts crawling up her leg um anyway uh he uh the hand can uh, if it shakes your hand if it grabs you by the left hand then it can possess you i don't know what it's after uh it takes him over he goes to las vegas and starts making a lot of money on shooting craps uh this couple uh just uh pick him up take him out into the desert and they they want to find out what his what his trick is why he's getting so many lucky rolls the woman of the couple uh, she's credited as haji i don't know if she's actually haji she's got a really different hairstyle but anyway um he he uh you know he's a he's able to knock them both over and then the hand goes on to various other victims taking them over and uh the woman goes to la and the the hand ends up in la and is apparently trying to get back to her which doesn't make any sense because 
picked her husband before and went and uh, you know went to another country instead of staying where she was. So I, I don't know if that makes sense. Anyway, um, so uh, then it just starts jumping around. So it, go, it jumps immediately from uh, Las Vegas police station to a church in Inglewood, California, where the uh, uh, the priest is uh, Father Cunningham, played by Stuart Whitman. Uh, then it jumps to the husband who's been buried at this church exploding out of the grave and then a cop named leo turns up and, and says it must be some cult looking to cast a spell and then uh then he gets possessed by the, the corpse comes along it cuts off its own hand by slamming it in the in the police car door and then uh it jumps out of the car onto his face and takes him over. So possessed Leo takes uh, Jennifer, the Samantha Agar character. Uh, he, he, he arrests her for, uh, I'm not clear what he arrests her for. He, he says she's stolen <laughs> a car. Says, yeah. Even though it's a rental. Yeah. She, she's rented a car, but he says she's stolen it. So he, he takes her, but he ends up taking her to a plastic surgery where there's this doctor and, nurse making out in the waiting room <laughs> yeah. uh, underneath a uh, print of the Sistine Chapel the uh, Leo tells them uh, he pulls his gun on them and he says either you cut my hand off or I kill you uh, the hand instead of taking over Jennifer again uh, takes over the surgeon then there's a nonsensical car chase and the surgeon ends up at a railway line where he cuts his own hand off with a train. Uh, and then the hand becomes a hobo. And then the hand gets, <laughs> tries to get back to Jennifer again, turns up in a motel room. And, and then turns into a dove. Which Father Cunningham, <laughs> then, <laughs> almost, <laughs> then Father Cunningham suddenly bursts in to her motel room in the middle of the night and says, where's the coffin? That's that's his opening line. <laughs> then they go back to the church. Various other things happen, like a cloth lifts up into the air for no reason. Yeah. Uh, the lamps sway back and forwards. Then uh, she dresses up as the thin white duke. Then she <laughs> runs down the entire length of the church saying, no! Oh, just goes on for, for about a minute of just one, no! Uh, then... Uh, then there's this super contrived ending where uh, Father Cunningham puts his hand through a stained glass window, uh, the, the possessed hand, and uh, and then gets her to hand him the blowtorch so he can burn off his own possessed hand. Okay. And, you know, he's saying, if thine hand offends thee, cut it off and all that. Yep. Um, then, <laughs> uh, then they take the hand out to the harbour, having cremated it, and scatter it upon the waters in the harbour. Is it all over? No. She's back at her uh, place in uh, Los Angeles. She gets a special delivery. There's this, like, a box with a ribbon around it, and uh, she opens it, and she's she's been noticing these puddles of water around the house. She opens the box. It's a black candle 
addressed to her. Hmm. And then the hand comes out of her plug hole in the kitchen and uh, attacks her. And uh, then she turns into a mummy and crashes through a glass table. The end. (laughs) Now, uh, Psychotronic Encyclopedia of Film called this one of the worst horror films in years. Um, so I, I kind of enjoyed it. It's just, uh, it starts off apt and then it just becomes inept. <laughs> it's uh, so silly. Well, yeah. What I really loved about the ending with her getting the delivery is you immediately start imagining this hand going into a post office, clutching a black candle, going up to the <laughs> counter and the, the person at the counter hears this like knock, knock. <laughs> What? Who's there? I don't see anyone. They hear this knock, knock again. They look over the counter, and down there's this little hand holding a black candle. Say, what do you want with this black candle? And the hand has to do a mime for. Can you wrap up this black candle in a box and put a ribbon around it and address it to uh, Jennifer? Um, yeah. So, and then, and it's got it's got a few bucks, you know. Or, or it has a ring on its finger and it swaps it for, you know, to pay for the delivery. Yeah. Yeah, I really wanted to see that scene. But, uh, I, I, wanted, yeah, um, I thought the similar thing, like, I pictured the hand having to crawl out of the harbor and then get a phone book and try to find Jennifer's house. <laughs> yeah, but yes. she had just moved to Los Angeles, so she wasn't in the phone book. So where right. would he go? What would he do to find her? Well, do you guys remember what the uh, the slogan was for the yellow pages back in the day? Let your fingers do the walking. Yeah. yeah. Let, let your fingers. <laughs> let your fingers do the walking. Yeah. Um, well, in Evil Dead Two, if you remember, you could hear those little uh, those little demon voices. They kind of sounded like chipmunk voices behind the hand. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, between sign language, gesturing, or gesturing for give me a pen, and then maybe you could write notes. You know, is there any reason that if it... Yeah. I think it could. Unfortunately, the devil is right-handed, uh, so it couldn't write legibly. Okay. That makes sense. So, do you guys recommend Demonoid? That's a question. Is it just... Is it so bad that it's unwatchable, or is it inept in a fun way? It's supremely silly. Okay. It is just, you watch it, and you're you're baffled. Not like Demon Wind. That's a different kind of bafflement. This is just like, it's, it's, you could see, okay, if you had this cast and the crew... And everybody working on a on a little B movie horror film, uh, late seventies, uh, with what they had, it wouldn't be bad. But it's such a silly concept of the devil's hand possessing people. It just and you don't know what the hand wants or how it does what it does. Right. <laughs> that it keeps you. It keeps you watching. And thankfully, it's short. I think it clocks in at exactly yes. 90 minutes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the uh, I think the Macabre version is 10 minutes longer, and it has less 
but it, it's got less of the uh, violence and it's got a different soundtrack. Mm. And uh, both versions are on the Blu-ray. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I watched it on Prime, so it was uh, yeah, violent. Yeah, this movie, uh, so it was filmed in... It was filmed in 79 and uh, just it was just shelved and then uh, Oliver Stone did the hand. So I guess that's why they dug it back up and re-released it with this uh with this very fun poster it looked like a looked like it was a devil barbarian movie um it's got all these uh women dressed in slave leah outfits draped around this demon thing um yeah uh samantha agar looks like she's having a fun time and then stuart whitman's just like giving one of his monotone performance is i've seen him in westerns and things where he's he's good you know he's made uh, sleepy yeah um yeah it, yeah i thought it was i thought it was strange that they made him a priest because of the sleazy opening the rest of the movie was kind of chaste and they made what would have been a leading man in most low-budget horror movies. Uh, they made him a priest, so there's no real, I mean, yeah. But there's no real chance there of any relationship. Of, you know, you, you would think a, a cheap movie would, would uh, kind of, you know, hang something on that storyline, too. The developing love between Jennifer, the newly widowed woman, and help her out. But they went and made him the priest, which I just thought made it kind of weird. They have this weird scene in the back of a cop car that's kind of, uh, they're, you know, he's comforting her. And you could tell in another movie it would, you know, oh, that's when the, you know, the romance would start. But this is just, no, they, right. didn't, do, they didn't go that way. So, so guys, I have to ask, uh, <laughs> these clearly aren't going to make the best of anything list, but uh, did you uh, did you both make a best of the decade list? Well, I found uh, one online. I did not. Okay. Do you do you okay. want do you want to save that for next time? Because we'll still be. Um, yeah. yeah. It'll be close. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so send us a link to the uh, what you found. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just went to Rotten Tomatoes. They've got a good one, but I'll send a link out. And okay. uh, there's some there's some uh, things like uh, the battery hush. I think I would have added. Yeah. Uh, but we can discuss that all next week. But yeah, I will uh, copy paste. Sure. It yeah. Send it right away. Okay. So um, so this one will drop on the 29th, which means that the next one will drop on the fifth, which is probably pretty good time to talk about best of the year do you want to do that as the whole episode or do you want to do maybe uh does that make sense yeah make that the whole episode okay sure so why don't we just uh we'll we'll sort of preview that now and then we'll then we'll wrap up um so for next week we're going to do best of the decade and uh so is that technically uh from 2010 to present or jolian how does the math go on that 2011 to present? Uh, yeah, I'd go 2011 to 2020. Okay. Okay, cool. Because um, I think that that'll be a really good list. 
do you want to do 10, 15? How many do you want to do? I've got a hundred here. <laughs> You've got a hundred. All right. Uh, I'm going to narrow mine down to like, obviously, uh, <laughs> I wasn't obviously going to read all of those, but I thought that I would, uh, go through and pick out some highlights. Definitely. Uh, some low lights. Yeah. Highlights and, and low lights. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a nice little, uh, starter list. There's, uh, things on there that, uh, uh, I don't, I'm not familiar with. All right. Um, you know, I went to IMDb I find most, uh, and best tried off to look. Lists. The what? Uh, I, I'm more at the best of lists. Uh, not going to include foreign movies. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. Was IMDb was thorough, but it became there were so many foreign films. Uh, didn't recognize and they'd be things like indonesian films okay. like the what was it the menstrual syndrome ghost oh of course <laughs> yeah that'll, yeah, that'll... Seen a bunch of indonesian they, they've done some good ones yeah so there were there were a lot of indonesian horror films that it got to the point where it was like i am i are any of the are any of these films familiar to me uh, you know, I've gone through several pages and I don't recognize a single name. Some of them are close, but not quite like paranormal, paranormal events. Okay. I think that's a knockoff of paranormal activity. Yeah. Uh, Satan slaves is a good one. Ooh. I'll have to look for that too. So best of the decade. And then uh, we should be keeping our, our eye on the weather and maybe do our wintry three pretty soon. Okay. I, I don't know when, but uh, Jolien, okay. your your pick will be after uh, after we do our lists. So uh, we'll let you choose whatever movie you want, or if you want to if you want to pick wintry three as your choice, that's cool. But we've got the coldest and snowiest weather ahead of us. But, uh, yay. Yeah. How about it? Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're trucking toward new year's Eve and new year's day. And then here in Denver, that's when we start to look on the horizon for the, for the impending doom of, of winter. And then, uh, you know, I always tell people we experience spring several times throughout winter here, which is kind of fun for me because I like spring. <laughs> hey look at 60 today i dread it yeah <laughs> well guys should we uh call it a show and get out of here yeah i think so okay so listeners again thank you for listening the farm is near here i can feel it
time turkey. 